Hi, I'm Coach Ricky Ronnie, and you're listening to The Monarchist. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Isaac Weaver back to the show. What's shaking, Isaac? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Good to have you back. Yeah, awesome to have you back. So you're starting your second year with the Chargers. Let's look back at year one and take us through the whole process of being in the NFL. What was different about it your first year? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it, there's definitely, a there's a good bit of differences. I mean, it's, you're going from one level to the next and it's the, the, you know, the highest level of sport there is. And so there's going to be a bunch of learning curves in more than more ways than one. Obviously there's the on the field learning curve where the speed of the game, it, you know, increases as much as everyone says it does. It does. I mean, the game is fast out there. You're going against the best of the best, you know, even just in, in practice, you know, we are, our roster is loaded and, from top to bottom, there's great players everywhere. So do you not really, you can't take any reps off. You can't, you know, you're going to get tested every time. But then even just in terms of learning, you know, well, at least when I was at ODU, I felt like I had a really good grasp on taking care of my body and, you know, I had to budget my time in terms of, you know, being successful in football. And then you get to the NFL and you see all these guys who have done it for years and years and years and you see, you know, how much more they do or how they do it differently or the different types of stuff they do. And so you kind of just get thrown into this deep pool of guys who are, you know, so great at what they do. And it's awesome to learn from, but it's, you know, it takes a minute to get used to. Um, and so that's one thing I'm really thankful for about my first year was I was able to sit and learn as much as I possibly could. And I had, you know, our room was incredible. The line room was incredible there. And there's so many great vets and people who, were willing to share their information and their knowledge of the game, which is awesome to young guys. And I know there's a few of us who really appreciated that. So, um, you know, it was a, a huge learning experience and it's something that I was, you know, really thankful to have been a part of. So Isaac, you talked about speed of the game. So speed of the game, I would imagine physically and mentally. So talk to Monarch Nation a little bit about that. How do you adapt both on the physical side, but then you know, learning a playbook or all the mental stuff that goes along with being successful in the NFL? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, learning the playbook, it was, a, a, you know, a task in itself. I mean, it was a, it was one of the biggest, it's probably the biggest playbook I've ever had to learn. Um, and in the most detail, I've had to learn it in one of the shortest amount of times I've had to learn it. Uh, so that's, a, I mean, it's a ton to go through, especially you transition to, you know, most of the time I mean, we had one year in college where we huddled, but the we you know you go into a full huddle offense where you're you know hearing the entire play call from the quarterback uh and you can practice it as much as you want but until you actually hear it hear the quarterback call the play i mean even that happens so fast and you're like oh wow like what did he just say and then they added the kills in and everything like that so you're going up to the line with two plays uh and it's a whole lot to kind of process as, as a rookie and someone who's you know fresh out of a college offense um and i thought that uh, Coach Ronnie's offense, it, it, you know, they taught us a ton of stuff. Like they really, you know, trusted us as players to go out there and make calls and, and read the defense and try and break it down. But it even was a little bit more so, you know, in, in this level where you have to relearn the verbiage. You have to relearn how how our coaches now want to call a defense, how they how they structure it. And even 
with the way that the NFL is set up with the, the, obviously the hashes are smaller. It changes the way defenses like to line up compared to college. And so that changes the way that we have to identify, you know, the players on the, on the defense even to go out and make our calls. So, you know, that was a huge learning curve, but I feel a lot more comfortable with that going into the second year. As a center, you are expected to call out the protections, right? Yeah, we're in charge of the identification process for the for the uh, the protections and, and the run game. The NFL is pretty fast paced. How has that transition gone for you? Uh, it really is all about, um, you know, knowing your stuff going into it. You can't have any hesitation. And one thing I've learned is you got to make your call and go. And that and the way you do that is with all the preparation. You know, there's no more there's no more school. I don't have to go to class anymore. So it's you know, yeah, like all my study time that would have gone to, you know, school, it's football now. All the meeting, we have, you know, all the meeting time in the world. So we get to sit down and have these in-depth discussions and really get to, you know, learn all the stuff to the best of our ability, which is, that's the biggest difference. You know, you go out there and all you're thinking about all day is football, you know, and in college you had, you know, in the morning or the afternoon, whenever you did meetings, you did that, but then you had to change your brain, time to go to school, time to learn, time to get your actual degree, you know? But now your your degree, your life is football. You just that's what you do all the time. So the like you're right, like you get especially because in college we would just line up on the ball and the quarterback would tell us to play. So I'm sitting there watching the defense the entire time and I get to see it all happen. I get to see if they sub someone, I get to see how they're lining up. And it, like now you you know, I'm I'm looking at the quarterback, I turn around with the play and I've got to, you know, decipher what, you know what uh what personnel are they in what's the play like uh what what key are we going to make and then what call are we going to go off of that so it all the processing speed has got to be increased but i think you know when you care enough to study and, and put the time in because you have the time that helps that makes a world of difference so isaac you mentioned uh being in the room with with your position group so obviously you're spending a lot of time both at the facility and then you know at home studying a playbook, working, working through all that stuff, especially as a, as a young player. I know when I was in flight school in the Navy, I would walk on the tennis court and I would pretend that I was flying course rules and stuff like that to try to go through everything. So when I started doing it for real, it was more natural. What's that like of doing it, both studying by yourself, but then when you get into that room with the vets who know it like the back of their hand, what's that like? It's, it's definitely a cool experience um, because, uh, so for instance, our, our starting center, Corey Lindsley, is, you know, he's going into his 10th year. He's seen everything there is to see in football. And, you know, he's, a, he's an extremely intelligent guy and he knows the game really well. And so a lot of our meeting time is convers- – it feels very conversational between him and our offensive line coach. It feels like they, you know, have, they have a great mutual respect. And so they can, you know, go back and forth and really see each other's points of views and see – you know, like, how does, how do you see it? How does he see it? And they can come to a good compromise of like what everyone feels comfortable with and, and how they want to go into attack that week. And so it's, it's great to get to hear and listen to both of them because they both sometimes have a little bit of a different viewpoint of the play and they end up being able to come to, you know, a good conclusion and they end up agreeing, you know, most of the time it's, it's really cool to see and you get to learn different ways to look at it. And I think you, there's, there's, there's merit to both of those things. Cause you like maybe one thing, maybe one time, I like it might hit my brain a little bit more like like what Corey says or it might hit my brain like our coach says it just kind of depends on you know because everybody at the end of the day everybody's brain works a little bit differently everybody's body mechanics are different so 
it's great to have that different perspective and to really get to hear someone who's been through it and seen it get to explain why they see it that way and how they how they see that happening the next time it happens so at old dominion you were redshirted right and last year you get put on the ir compare those two years of kind of how different it was with being involved with team activities and kind of take us through the day-to-day i guess yeah for sure um so yeah I, like uh, in college you know the retro year was something i feel like i expected to happen uh i had some coaches in high school who had played in college and they told me hey listen man redshirting is the best thing for you that could happen they, the way he put it to me that really hit my brain was you're going to be better as a fifth year senior or in my case a sixth year senior than you would be as a redshirt fre- as a true freshman and i think that's 100 percent the case i was a much better player later in my career than i was earlier so uh i'm kind of you know getting that perspective of like redshirting it can be a very good thing you get time to develop you get time to learn you get time to understand it all uh and it was a similar vibe to this this season with the uh with the ir Uh, i mean i was in all the meetings i was there day to day i got to see exactly how an nfl organization runs i got to see how game plans go i got to see how practices i got to see everything that that you you need to see i was on the sideline for for the games and everything like i've seen how the ins and outs of the nfl work you know, so it, it, I feel like it gives me a good perspective um, and a good idea of what's to come for year two when, I, when I'm, when i you know, healthy and playing and everything. Um, but it was very similar in other aspects where my retro year was all about physical development and mental development. And my retro year was all about rehabilitation and mental development, kind of, you know, figure it all out. So it was, you know, very, very similar. Um, and I'm really happy that I was able to stick around in the building and learn as much as I could. Earlier on, you talked about taking care of your body and that sort of stuff in college and getting to the NFL and kind of taking it to a whole nother level. So from the aspect of nutrition, post-practice, post-workout, recovery, what's it like in the NFL um, with regards to all those things that are there for you guys? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the, the great thing is I feel like, we, like uh, the recovery side is – it, it is harped on. It was for us, at least. And I'm very thankful for that in college because I think it gave us a base. But even more so in the NFL, I think that you you get these guys, like I mentioned earlier, who have played a decade in the NFL. And that's an insane thing to do. I mean, it's such an insane accomplishment. And it's, uh, you know, all respect in the world to the guys who are able to do that. But you see what they do and you see, like, what has actually worked for 10 plus years, because even when you're in college, you know, you can kind of feel you can kind of take a beating and keep going. And even just the physicality of the game is a little bit less. Um, but another huge part of it is that like the, you know, the NFL is the NFL. It's got all of the tools in the world. You know, we've, our training room is to the max. And that's not to say that our ODU training room wasn't that our ODU training room had everything you need to get better, but it's just, even just the, the, the weird little stuff that you may never have gotten to try. It's all the extra small stuff. And then it's also just the education and the continuance of getting, you know, you see these guys who have done it forever. Like that's how they do it. Well, I want to get to that point. So I'm going to, you know, copy them and do what they do. Uh, it's just a little bit, I feel like dive deeper in and we just have, more time the, at the end of the day you know you're cutting out half of your day from college to the nfl with classes you have nothing but time it is your full-time job so you can dedicate you know hours whereas you may have had 
you know, 15 minutes after practice uh, in college, you have the rest of the day to do everything you need to to make sure your body feels as good as possible. So I'm really interested in this because in my line of work, I get two reviews with my boss. She gets to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and kind of lay out what she expects of me the next six months to a year to either maintain my position, get a promotion, or what have you. I'd love to hear about how that's communicated with NFL players because it's it does seem like a very tough business that some guys are on the team. You see guys that are signed on Monday, cut on Wednesday. I'd love to hear how kind of that's communicated to the player through the organization. For sure. Uh, I think from my experience, at least, uh, you know, coaches do a pretty good job of communicating that. But I, I do think that most of the time you kind of understand where you stand uh, from my perspective, at least you go in, I sit in the meeting room and I can look around and I can tell you with hundred percent certainty, there's going to be some guys in that building you know, day one of the season, week one of the season, know that for sure. And then you can also kind of look around and think, all right, here are the guys that are kind of on the chopping block or, you know, you know, here's the guys who are kind of fighting for their spots. Um, and so a lot of it is, it's not that I wouldn't call it common sense, but it's like, okay, you kind of, you see the writing on the wall a little bit. And then I feel like once you, once you get to this point in the NFL, you kind of, you know, you can, I would hope at least you can do a good job of evaluating whether you're playing well or not. Um, and you know, you know, like it's not, it's no secret that it's a fierce competition. I mean, there's 53 spots and 16, uh, practice squad. Like you are, you're going in there with a 90 man roster. So, you know, a, ch a giant chunk of this, this, uh, you know, off season roster is gone. Um, and I think the, the coaches do a good job of telling you, or at least my coach last camp did a good job of telling us what he expected of us, um, and kind of the blueprint, like he gave us a one, two, three, here's what you can do to help your case. But at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. And I feel like everyone who signs that contract understands that because um, it is a cutthroat business. You know, it's the, the one of the, you know, most highly competitive fields there is. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of it. You understand that when you get into it. But, uh, you know, I think most guys wouldn't have it any other way. That's kind of what makes it so great. All right, so what it's the 25th of June. So before too long, I imagine you're going to be headed back. What's next? What's the rest of the summer look like for you? Uh, well, this is uh, this is our time off. So we got done with OTAs a uh, few weeks ago, and so now it's uh, this is kind of our down-ish time. Not really downtime because you got to train to get ready to go, but everybody gets to go where they would like to and train how they want to. So the next month is going to be all, you know, excuse me, as much training as I can get in, um, you know, like as much, you know, recovery, make sure my body feels as great as it can going into camp um, and just keep on brushing up on that playbook and making sure I understand watching film, trying to study some guys that, you know, I might like to, you know, see or who I, who I appreciate their game and everything like that. But it's really just, uh, it also doubles as a time to kind of decompress a little bit and get that mental reset because, you know, once you hit camp, you make the team, you're going from the end of July to, you know, hopefully February. And that's, I mean, that's a huge piece of time to be doing um, a, a football 24 seven. Cause once the, once the season starts, it is a grind and, you know, you don't get much time off or any time off. You're, you're nonstop week after week after week after week. So 
Um, it's a little bit of a balancing act, I think, this month, because uh, you got to work as hard as you can. And you got to make sure that you're ready to go, which but you also need to understand that this is the last time you're going to get to have a, a, a breath, basically, until February. Um, so that is a little bit of a challenge, but I feel like, uh, you know, my second time around, I feel a little bit more prepared for it, uh, especially talking to some of the guys who and seeing how they like to handle it. We spoke before we started recording. You're back in Georgia right now. Mm -hmm. You are you doing training all this training individually? Do you have a a group of guys that you kind of work out together? What does that look like for you personally? Uh, yeah, so I work out at the gym not too far from here. They're called uh, Velocity Football. I've been working with them for years now. They're they do a great job. I'm very thankful for them. Uh, you know, I think they have really good coaching, really good programming, and they have a great facility. So I'm very thankful for that. But uh, it's really just small group stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one time. But I do appreciate the fact that I get to work with some guys as well because it's always nice. You get to work, work with a group of people, even if it's a small group, you push yourself, you know, you push them. You make everybody a little bit better, in my opinion. But So it's mostly just that, but it's nice to have that good relationship that I do have with them because, you know, I feel like I understand them, they understand me. So I feel like we have a very good vision about where I want to get to come late July when it's time to go back uh, back out to California. So Old Dominion has never had more NFL players than it does right now. I imagine you are in good communication with some of these guys. You played with a number of them. Um, do you guys share notes, tips, things you're learning with each yeah, other? For sure. As especially I feel like uh, I'm probably closest with uh, Sal, Nick Salivari, um, who's out there in New Orleans now. Um, and I, I, for all of those guys, especially this draft class, I'm, you know, insanely proud of them and I'm super happy for all of them for landing where they are. And it's incredible. Like with, uh, with Sal out in New Orleans, uh, Zach in New York. And I mean, we, yeah, it was crazy with Trey and also in New York and then, uh, Marcus in Denver is awesome. Like, it's awesome for all of them. I'm so happy for him, but yeah, especially with, uh, with, uh, Sal, it's been great to, you know, have another. Uh, o lineman in the league. I know Rashawn is is there as well, but I didn't have necessarily as close a relationship with him as I do do with Sal. So it's nice to have someone who's you know going through it, and you know he would we would talk a bunch during his draft process. Um, you know, just kind of I was always you know checking and see how he was doing. He was seeing how I was doing. You know, I wanted I was always trying to see you know how his training was going, what was going on. But uh, even just talking to him when he was in there at OTAs and stuff, it's been great. It's been. Um, it's, it's awesome to have some people who are, you know, who, I, who I'm as close to as I am with them in the same shoes as me. It's, it's, it's been a breath of fresh air for sure. So this year, what Mike, we had, we had three guys get drafted, Nick, Zach, and then Trey. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's gotta be pretty cool. Isaac, you seeing each year, what seems to, to grow in the old dominion, putting more guys in the league, obviously Everybody knows Taylor and Zach and Rick Lovato. And mm -hmm. you know, I know it's pretty special for us as in a kind of a, let's just say G5 mid-major kind of school. Whenever we're watching, watching football or baseball, whatever it is, and you hold them in and you come across the screen. What's that like being part of that group of alum? I know while you were here, you're obviously interacting with guys other than just on the football team, but what's it like to be part of that club? Uh, it's, it's awesome. I am insanely proud about ODU and, you know, the guys that, that have, you know, gone through there and, and, you know, the program that we've got, um, 
even, you know, you can ask some of the guys in the team. They're probably sick of hearing about me talking about ODU and some of the guys that were coming through this draft class as well. I mean, I, there, no one's a bigger ODU fan, uh, maybe, maybe all two than I am. I mean, I, I, uh, I watched every game I could last year. I think I watched every game last year. I, I'm always rooting for them. Um, and it's incredible to see these guys get the recognition they deserve and get the chance they do have now in, in the league. And I'm even more excited for, you know, the next few years when we keep on getting some guys going and getting to see even more of those guys, you know, represent for the team. Because it is like, I mean, it's not, you know, like you said, it's group of five. Like, it's not the biggest brand in the world. But it, uh, I know for sure now that the ODU name is is slowly dispersing through the NFL. And it's great, you know, to have, you know, guys that, you know, share that, you know, brand with. Yeah, it's, it's a big uh, sense of pride for me. Well, Mike and I were looking at the roster before we, we jumped on with you. And, of course, there's not only – you're not the only Old Dominion alum that's on the Chargers. Last year, did, did you have a whole lot of interaction with Stone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, me and Stone, I feel like our lockers were real close last year. Um, and it was, it was obviously playing in college. We have that relationship already. But, yeah, he's another guy that I'm just insanely proud of, just the way that he was able to fight through a bunch of adversity last year and then go out and play and, and catch a few passes and, and, you know, get his name out there in the league. Like it's incredible. Um, and I know, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of him and I know he's going to do great things in the future. And I know the Chargers like him a ton too. So, you know, I'm super excited to see what he gets to do in camp, you know, with a full training camp and everything like that. Cause even just his journey last year was nuts. And, you know, it's incredible that he, I mean, it's nuts to even think that he, yeah, from where I met him as a quarterback coming in in 2019 at ODU, and then, you know, doing everything he did his senior year with the, you know, injury and changing positions all over the place and then just randomly becoming a tight end and going in and getting his first career NFL snap as the like his fourth position ever. You know, it's nuts. It's awesome. Like he's it's a story you can't help but root for. Absolutely. He's a we have a friend, David, who's a big Chargers fan, and he couldn't be happier to have two Monarchs on the team. I know he was hoping for a third with the draft, but. That is what it is. So I asked you about the guys that are in the league that you still communicate with. I know there's a handful of guys you played with that are still at ODU. I'm guessing Xavier Black is someone that you know and talk to every once in a while. Have they talked to you about the new offensive line coach and offensive coordinator in that transition so far? Uh, yeah, for sure. And I actually, I got the opportunity. Uh, I, I was able to go back uh, and visit ODU in the spring. I wanted to see uh, pro day. So I got to see pro day and a spring practice. Um, and it was awesome. I got to, you know, you know, give props to coach Ronnie and with the, the way he runs the program and the way that they have it set up with their alumni, it's still a, a very welcoming place. Um, they, you know, they love having a, a, us back and it never feels like anyone's unwanted. It's always a super great experience. You know, they, they, uh, you know, they run that, I guess from the perspective of someone who's gone and come back, they do a great job with that. But uh, I was able to actually sit down, sit down with the new line coach and meet the new OC. And, you know, I think uh, I'm super excited for what they've got uh, in store. And even from talking to the guys, like, uh, like you said, like Xavier, I'm still close with him and uh, Leroy as well as, as, you know, one of my really good friends. I talk to him all the time and uh, they, uh, I know they're very excited about it. Uh, and I'm super excited to see what they can do um, there. I know that, they're pumped to get back out there and play. And I know that it definitely feels like the vibes are good in terms of what they're doing over there with their, with their new offense and all that. 
All right, Isaac. So before we started recording, we all talked about NIL a little bit, just kind of shooting the bull. If you were in college today and you had NIL and you had the opportunity to to earn money based off your name, image, likeness, what are a couple opportunities that you think you would fit best with of, say, businesses out in the 757 that you think that you would have really been a great spokesperson or something for? That's a good question. I think, I think uh, the easy answer is to go with a good, a good local restaurant. Um, and I think the obvious answer for me is Sam's Sub Shop, so the, down uh, right near the campus. That's uh, I felt like that was a, a heavily traveled to spot by the offensive line. And you know, as the big guys, every all the, you know, we got big for a reason. We all know how to eat you know, in some form or another. So uh, I think the easy one is, is the food is the food sponsorship and what's better than something that's local and that everybody enjoys around there. Yeah. It's not going to be one of those restaurants that's got like low calorie dishes and stuff like that. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. We need, you know, all the calories in the world, you know, all the so, carbs, no keto. No, no. I want all the protein, all the carbs and any of that stuff, you know, make it a little fatty get that flavor in there yeah it's all that that's what the that's where the it's the good stuff is you know all right so sam's is fantastic ricky has talked a lot about it in the past that was his go-to during COVID, i think or when he first got hired and he said he had to stop going there because he's gaining too much weight i think (laughs) have you talked to any of your teammates about how that's changed their decision making process your former teammates nil yeah uh, I know it's definitely changed the landscape in general. Also, a side note about that: uh, yeah, you can't you can't let Coach Ronnie slide on that. I know for a fact he's got his picture on the wall in that restaurant. I mean, that's got to be some sort of like uh, you know big baller find or something. How, like, how many subs do you have to eat to get your photo up there? That's what I'm saying. That's he's got to. I mean, he's got to. If they had like a membership rewards program, he'd have to be you know top of the list at that point. Either that, or you know, he's got some under the table deal, something like that. But I, know, I will what, say. If you get a San Antonio Sam shirt and you take it on a vacation and you take a picture in it, you send it back to them, they'll put it up on the wall. Oh, okay. That's I might have to do that. But that's why I got a bone to pick. I don't think he even has the shirt on. It's just a picture of him. Like that, you know, that's 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 a, a little questionable, you know what I mean? Being the head coach has its privileges, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. Uh but yeah, I mean in terms of the NIL stuff, it's it's a, I think it's a different game. Um, it changes everything. And I, I remember when it first started happening, I wasn't sure how it would happen. And I thought it would be, you know, I still think it's a good thing. Like it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff where, you know, the players are finally able to, you know, benefit off of, you know, their hard work and, and what they're doing. I, I think that's completely fair and, and, you know, and right in the way it should be. Uh, but it definitely changes everything completely. Like it makes, you know, it's a completely different game than what I played. Because even with the little bit of NIL that was there, I think I, I had one year of it. We didn't understand it or know what was going to happen. And it, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily, I wasn't a big like, oh, I got to make all the money in the world. You know, it was what it was. I, I knew where I was, I wasn't going to anyway. So with the just like, you know, who, you know, offensive linemen, they, you know, they're not going to get that stuff anyway. But, um, it's, I don't know. I don't think I've talked to anyone on the team personally about how it affects it, but I know just from talking to guys, at least in the building now, um, at work and, and, and hearing how it goes, it's just, 
it's very different because at the end of the day, it's hard to say no to that type of money. Why, why would you, you know, that's life changing money for people. And, you know, if you can, you know, football is not forever. It's, it ends quick. So if you're able to capitalize on it while you can and, and make that money, well, well, you know, strike while the iron's hot and you might as well. Right. And so I wish I could say more about it, but I am honestly in the dark about it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's progressed beyond anything that I could understand that I'm just too far removed from it, you know? Well, I mean, we could be completely honest. I think if Sam's had come through with some sort of food deal, you and, and the rest of the dudes on the line would have probably been pretty happy at that point. Hayden had a deal what over at the Dirty Buffalo, right, Mike? I mean, I don't know how many wings. I don't know if he could, you know, bring the O-line with him and see how many wings that everybody could take down or if it was just him or not. I don't know. Food was pretty important when I was in college. For sure. I mean, food, actually, food's still important now, in my opinion. You know, that's, I feel like most of the time we hang out with the guys, even in the NFL, it's like, where are we going to eat? You know what I mean? That's a, you know, that's, that's a big one for sure. Speaking of food, do they have a lot of food around the facility or do you guys have to leave? I mean, when you're, I'd imagine you're, you're there quite a bit. Yeah. So do, do they have, you know, stuff set up there for you so you don't have to leave the facility and you can do all the work that you got to do? Kind of what's that, what's that like? Yeah, for sure. They, they they have that exact setup where there's a cafeteria and building. And uh, so, you know, you can order your breakfast, lunch and, and dinner most days of the week. And so, you know, it's a super easy transition where you have they give us the lunch lunch time, I guess, is built in to our schedule. And if it's a, a hectic day, the coaches are very relaxed about eating, eating in a meeting. So, you know, they really they do take care of us uh, for sure. Like there's the food, all, all the food, all the drinks you could want, like. They do. They make sure we're not hungry, thirsty, or going to cramp up. They, that is for sure. So you're in one of the best food cities in the United States. Mm. Have you talked to your teammates that have been around the league and compared notes on what cafeterias are the best in the NFL? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, obviously, we're up in uh, Orange County right now, but uh, I've heard from people around the league that Minnesota has great food. Um, that's just kind of the, the general um, what I've heard, but I, I mean, I, I, it's really hard to complain about getting food at work. You know what I mean? Like it's at the end of the day, that's a, that's a huge perk, but, um, you know, I feel like it's, uh, I have heard that Minnesota has a great cafeteria. All right. So being out West, what, what are some of your new favorite kind of foods to eat out there that you may not have been exposed to back? Let's just say on the Eastern side of the U S yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, uh, there's a ton of good food. It, obviously, it's so close to the border. There's really good Mexican food. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of really good Asian food as well out there. Um, and I'm not one to turn down really any type of food, but um, especially that. But uh, I feel like a lot of that stuff, I've, I've really grown real fond of it. A lot of, I feel like it's a lot of like hearty soups and stuff that, you know, it, it makes you feel like fresh, but it's still a lot of food, you know, and so it doesn't weigh you down a ton. Um but it's, it's it, honestly, it's hard to complain about the eating out there. There's, you know, there's a million different restaurants and uh, they're all good. I guess like the big difference is the, the actual California burritos, they're actual California burritos, not the ones that are on the East Coast. So they've got, you know, they're decked out, you know, they've got all the whole nine yards with the French fries in them and everything. Like they're delicious. You got to be careful because, you know, I got to make sure my body comp isn't, isn't too bad. But, you know, one of those every once in a while definitely helps pack on a few pounds. Yeah, L.A., the one thing you need to do if you haven't yet is sushi. Getting oh, yeah. sushi in L.A. is so great because, I mean, the Pacific is right there, and that's where sushi should be caught. For sure. If you're on the East Coast, it's being flown over or 
frozen in a truck and you yeah, can yeah. taste the difference. The difference is just, I don't know. I, I Every time I go to LA, the first thing I got to do is eat sushi. Second thing yeah. is in and out Oh, yeah. in and outs the other one. I, I forgot to mention that. It's that's a, that's a staple. I feel like the only thing that's cheap in California is an in and out burger. I mean, they're still like $4 right now. It's incredible. You get go in there, get a big double or something. It's, yeah, got to get it animal style, though. I will say I'm not a huge fan of the fries. I feel like that's not a hot take. Oh, they're bad. They're bad. All right, Isaac, I am not a veteran of in and out so you're going to have to explain to me what, uh, what, what was that style that you just mentioned? Uh, I always get an animal style. Animal I, I style. What What is animal style? What it really is, but it's got like the uh, grilled onions and a different type of sauce on it. I don't know. I went there uh, when I had a, actually one of my roommates from ODU played on the team for a little bit. Brandon Smith was from Orange County, and he ended up there. At the, he he was home the same time I went out there, and so he was the first person to take me there. And he was like, he he told me you got to get it this way. And I did. And who am I to argue with a Californian? You know, he's, he's a Southern California guy through and through. So, yeah, I couldn't say no. And then that's just kind of how I that's how I've done it for ever since. Um, I do know, though, we're talking about the fries. I don't like them. You can get the fries animal style as well. For, for word, word through the grapevine is that that's how you make them, you know, a bit more palatable. You kind of helps you out a little bit. Yeah, they just don't hold their temperature very well. And yeah, they're just. It's the worst thing about in and out but if that's the worst thing you have to complain about, you're doing pretty good, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I feel like the great debate is always in and out and Whataburger. And I've never really gotten to have a Whataburger. So I need to I need to at some point make my way to Texas to figure that out. But. See, I, I I do know Whataburger. I was stationed in Corpus Christi and we we had Whataburger oh. in Pensacola, Florida too. And um yeah, they're pretty they're pretty good. Usually located near a taco cabana though. A taco cabana? I don't yeah. think I've had it either. You'll uh, have to when you get to Texas, you do that one too. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put those both on the list. I feel like I got an ever-growing list of food things I've got to try. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put them right there. I'll, I will add that Whataburger is expanding, and there's some in Tennessee now, so you might not have to go to Texas oh, specifically yeah. to try it. There we go. I could I could make that's not too bad of a drive. I can be in Tennessee in like two hours, maybe. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's that's worth a burger, right? As a former, well, a current fat guy and football player, a burger is always worth a drive. I agree. It's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard. Yeah. But I feel like that's a big topic that always comes up in a conversation is what are the best fast food burgers? And that I feel like I've had that conversation with the guys probably like uh, in OTAs alone, we had that conversation like three or four times. And that's over the span of like two months. It's like, come on, how often can you really talk about burgers? I guess a whole lot. I've had that conversation a lot, and the one that annoys me that comes up is people bring in, try to bring in five guys into the conversation yeah. when it's like a $30 burger. Oh, yeah. That doesn't should not be included, and they never no. have drive throughs So no. that should exclude it from the conversation completely. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It's got to have a, a drive through and it's got to be reasonably affordable. Now, I will say five guys out of the conversation – the agreement is always it's not fast food, but it is the best burger. And then from there, you so you automatically give five guys its due respect, but then you move on and say, what is the actual best fast food stuff? And that sparks the conversation. But there's, I promise you, that that is a point brought up every single time without a doubt. Yeah, that's got to fall into the fast casual, almost with like Panera or something like that, because you do have to get out of the car and make an effort to, to sit down. Oh, for sure. 
All right. So last time we talked, uh, you you kind of shared with everybody that you self-taught yourself how to play guitar on YouTube and you enjoy doing that. I remember you saying that you're a country music fan. Mike and always somehow touch on music in in these podcasts. Have you gone to any concerts lately? Or if not, do you have any plan for the summer? You know, summer's always a good time for that. That's a great question. I have not been able to. Uh, I, I I'm I feel it stinks because there was one of my favorite singers is Tyler Children. He's probably my favorite, and he was in he was in California while I was out there for OTAs, but it just wasn't feasible. It was like a Wednesday night, and it was two a two and a half hour drive. I was like, I can't make that happen. But he is like top of the list. I've got to go see him soon. Um, but I feel like. I don't have any plans, you know, as, as as much as I would like to. My biggest plan is to go see a Braves game. I'm a big Braves fan, um, and so being able to be back in Georgia, uh, they're not too far at all from me. So I'm that's my my big, you know, month of July bucket list item. Uh, but a concert is something that I might I actually I will say I might have gone to Nashville and seen live music. So maybe not a true concert, but just the the vibe of getting to sit down and listen to some live music, that might be the way I scratch that itch, you know? Yeah, a night on Broadway is fun, especially at your age. Take a couple of your boys there, you will have the night of your life. Oh, for sure. Uh, I agree. That's uh, I have uh, buddies from high school who live up there now. They got they, they work up there, so it's always, you know, you know, I got couches to crash on. Dude, call up Mr. Heineke. He's back in Georgia. He can he fit the bill for a few of y'all. I'm sure. Yeah, he he, he kind of got himself a, a nice contract. I'm sure he could afford much more than that. All right. So he brought up the guitar playing. This past year, I know football is the main focus. Recovery was the main focus. But have you learned any new songs that you're really proud of? Um, I feel like. I I have I, uh, honestly been slacking a little bit on the guitar playing. Um, I didn't bring it out with me to California. Uh, I do. I, it feels like I've a little bit. I still I'll play it whenever I, I can and whenever I want to. Um, I feel like I've become I've fallen victim to the NFL trap and I've started playing golf. And so that has been my new, uh, you know, little adventure of uh, oh I'm, I got some free time I'm gonna go hit some balls or you know well, my buddies are they free you know let's go let's go try and play around but you, I feel like everybody in the world plays golf and I'm finally trying to get on that train well you I mean you immediately just made Mike happy because Mike's a big golfer loves golfing so it, this the twinkle in his eye just came out <laughs> I will say that I am horrendous i mean it is probably the sport that i am the worst at in the world like i could play i think i, I think i could hold my own in a lot of stuff golfing i mean i would be lucky to shoot a 120 right now but i'm learning and i'm no stranger taking tips from anybody uh but i'm, I'm trying my hardest but it's it's i mean it's you get you i feel like you get a new respect when you start playing for the guys who can actually play well because it is just it's impossibly hard honestly i don't understand how people actually get good at it it's it's ridiculous though that Hitting a ball that's not moving is so stinking difficult. Oh, yeah. I find it easier to hit a baseball yeah. than to hit a golf ball that's not moving. It's crazy. It is. It's 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 impossible. And then you finally think you got it. And then immediately, like two two strokes later, you're like, well, it's gone. I don't know where that, where that went. But that one good shot, 
<laughs> a whole day of golf is what's going to yeah. bring you back, right? It keeps you back. It just kind of like scratches that itch. You're like, well, I did it once. I can do it again, right? And that's easier said than done. So, uh, Isaac, with your athletic ability, you can be an amazing golfer. But I will tell you this. Even when you get good, the learning never stops. You're always going to be tinkering with your swing. I play in a golf league with retired guys that are still tinkering with their swing, and they've been playing for 40, 50 years. <laughs> so it's, I feel like there's nothing really like it. Like if you were in the NFL when you were 50 and you could still do it, you wouldn't be doing anything differently. You might be trying to do something to maybe make up for your body's changes, but you'd still be trying to do the normal technique that you've always been doing, right? Yeah. As a golf, you, you're going to be always changing and adapting and trying new things to try to get that extra couple sure. strokes off your game. That's why I love the game so much because it it's always changing. Yeah. It's, and it, I also think it's like, like you said, mentioned, it's, I feel like it's a forever game. Like you can just play it as long as you can walk around. It feels like, you know what I mean? You go out and you see like some of the older guys that go out and hit, like, I mean, they got like a quarterback swing and they barely tap it, but I mean, they're out driving me by like 150 yards. So they figured something out. I'm trying here. I'm swinging, you know, I try to swing as hard as I can anymore. Cause I've recently learned that's not what you're supposed to do, but I still, you know, it's either it's going like two feet forward or it's, you know, a mile right into the bushes. Tempo, tempo, tempo. That's all you got to yeah. remember. For sure. It's I feel like with that mindset. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I had one good contact. Now I'm going to kill it. And then it just, yeah, it doesn't work. I got to be patient with myself. When you're as big and as strong as you are, you don't have to overswing. Like Mike says, just <laughs> nice tempo, smooth. And, uh, you know, not like me. <laughs> That's true. That's very yeah. true. I could go on for hours on this, but. I think we bore some of our listeners because it's this game that either you love or you hate. But you're a big country music fan. There is one of the best country music festivals in the world in the L.A. area, Stagecoach. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you've looked into it and see if you could make it work. But being such a big country music fan, I would tell you, if you can make that work, you should go. Yeah. It's a great event. I, I 100% agree. That's I feel like one of those big festivals like that is a great way to get – a bunch of those artists that are on my concert bucket list knocked off. Cause you, you look at the lineups and it's like a hundred people that are, that are going to perform, you know, it's incredible. And a lot, I feel like a lot of times those like, not, not the, not the main line, like the headlining guys, all the, all the other people that are, you know, filling in slots, not filling but like, they're just kind of filling up other stages. They're the ones that I'm like, Oh, I really want to see this person, this person, this person. Like, I, I agree. If I can figure out a way to do that, I'm 100% going to be going to be there when the time comes. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today to talk to us about your career, and the progression you've had this last year. I know all Dominion fans are going to appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. We wish you nothing but the best of luck this season. Hopefully it's a much healthier one for you. Do you have a message for all Dominion fans as we end this episode? Uh, I'll just say, uh, I guess now I'm, I'm an Old Dominion fan myself. I'm looking forward to seeing how they play this year. I know it's going to be great. You know, I, I 100% trust what uh, Coach Ronnie does, and I know he's going to put those guys in the best place to succeed. And I'm just excited to watch watch all those boys go out there and get to play the game they love because at the end of the day, that's, you know, it's really what college football is all about, just going out there with your boys and getting to have a good time. And um, I'm super excited to see those boys have a great year. 
Well, thanks, Isaac. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. We hope to have you back in the not-too-distant future. Best of luck. Go Monarchs. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.